from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odeschalette, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Welcome to A Baha'i Perspective. I recorded an interview with Anya Telfer on March 23, 2020. Anya is an artist and a musician. With her art, she provides venues for collaborative painting and she performs live painting at live public events. In the interview, Anya describes these for us. With her music, she composes songs, the lyrics of which are from the Baha'i writings. For the interview, she demonstrates some of the songs she's written, especially for her children, to help them learn these spiritual writings. She describes how it's important to tap into the creativity in us to reach and understand spiritual reality. I started the interview by asking Anya where she grew up and what was spiritual life like growing up. So I grew up in Toronto, and I'm the first Canadian born in my family. My parents came from Poland. So in my family, we would go to church for the high holidays, Christmas and Easter, and sometimes during the year. I did my first communion, I was baptized, I had my confirmation, all of that in the Roman Catholic Church. But by the time I was in my tweens, when I was starting to have questions more about spiritual things and religious things that I wasn't finding answers to in the community of the Catholic Church. So I was always very spiritual, and I I prayed every night, and I always felt a very very close relationship with God, like a very mystical relationship. I'm very in touch with that spiritual realm, and art and nature, these were places where I always felt connected to God. I spent a lot of time walking around in the ravine behind my house after school. Uh, My parents both worked late, so after I came home from school, I would take the dog and we would just walk in the wilderness. Um, I also had a balcony, and if things got difficult or if I needed a break at home, I would go and sit on the balcony. So nature was always a place where I felt very connected to the Creator. So I I never fell away from wanting to have a spiritual connection. When I moved out, when I was 17, 18, went to university, I started thinking about and researching different religions so that by the time I was in my 20s, I had decided that religious truth could be found in all religions because I had read texts from Islam, Judaism, Christianity, uh, the Hindu texts, the Buddhist texts, and I found that essentially they all said the same thing. My search was actually in order to find a religion for myself, but when I realized that they all said the same thing, I said, oh, well, you know, I don't need to have my own religion. They're all saying the same thing. So I was more spiritual, but not religious. Then I went to India. This is kind of a circular logic or logic that only makes sense after it happens, which is how my life works a lot of the time is it's very intuitive. I had this deep burning desire to go to India after university. And my brother had a contact there because he had done some robotics work in India. So I got myself a job at the school my brother was connected to. It's City Montessori School in Lucknow, and it's the largest school in the world. They have 33 different branches in one city. And the school is owned by Baha'is. And on the plane there, I was reading some of the material, 
this was in 2001, and I was reading some of the material from the school, the philosophy, educational approach, and things like that. And it really resonated with me. And I was like, wow, like, this is really amazing. And then the school is a Baha'i school, and it's not like it's owned by a Baha'i. So the curriculum, it's not for Baha'i kids, it's for everyone. But there are posters and quotations all over the school, which are coming from the writings of the Baha'i faith, posters talking about the education of children and how we need universal education and the oneness of humanity, the equality of men and women, the harmony of science and religion. So I was in this environment and I was meeting Baha'is because I was living on the campuses of the school. So teachers that would come through or travelers, they would stay in the same residence and then we would talk over dinner. And ironically, there was a young man from Halifax who was doing a year of traveling in India and going around to the villages and letting people know, educating them about the teachings of the Baha'i faith. And I met him in the dining hall shortly after I arrived. And he was the one that first informed me about the principles of the Baha'i faith. So I was hearing everything that I believed in one package. So I already believed in the need for universal education and healthcare, equality of men and women, independent investigation of truth, the unity of all the religions. And so when I heard this, I said, like, how is it possible there's a religion that thinks everything I think and more? And one of the things that he explained to me was about progressive revelation, which was a big light bulb for me because I hadn't looked at religion through that lens before. So the idea that there is one religion and all the prophets of the different religions are just teachers in one school. Like when you go to kindergarten, you learn one thing and then in grade one, another thing in grade two, three, four, five, and so on. But it's all education. It doesn't make one grade more important than another. It's a continuing and evolving process of education. So that that was very congruent and it explained everything very well for me. So I was very attracted. My heart immediately knew that this was the path for me. My head took a couple of years to catch up. <laughs> so I'm speaking with Anya Telfer, an artist and musician, and she was just describing her spiritual life during her growing up years, as well as her spiritual search that led her to the Baha'i faith. So as I just mentioned, you are an artist and a musician. So first, I'd like you to tell me about your artwork. I went onto your website and I noticed that you have different kinds of venues for your art. The first one I'd like you to tell me about is your, what you call collaborative painting. I have to give you a bit of the background of my philosophy of art in order to answer that question. So for me, creativity, spirituality, and healing are all connected to each other. They are one source. When we engage creatively, we heal ourselves because the nature of engaging creatively is holistic. It uses our mind, body, spirit, heart. That is spirituality. And spirituality is also holistic. That world of spirituality ultimately is the world that healing comes from. So they're all connected. And art is a gift we have in order to heal ourselves and the world from the creator. It's our truest expression of who we are. And I've studied art therapy when we engage creatively, we heal ourselves. What I do in my collaborative painting, in my own painting I do this as well, but the collaborative painting is, it's a philosophy of myself acting as a guide 
to the participant, the, the client or the student who's working with me. It's a journey for themselves with creativity and expression and the canvas. It's hard for people to get out of their heads when they're creative because we've been, society really directs us away from that into like everybody has that little critic or judge that sits on their shoulder. It's like, oh no, you're not a good artist. Oh, that's bad. And they have expectations of what they want the art to look like. But in order to have art heal us, we actually have to let go of those expectations and allow the art to move through us. Because the canvas itself, and it, it can be a different format as well, but for me, I'm a painter, I'm going to use the canvas. The canvas itself has an intention for itself that it wishes to be. And that intention is independent of what we want that canvas to be. They can be connected, they're responsive to each other, but we have to allow that avenue for interaction with the canvas. If we listen, the canvas will give us messages about ourselves and our own process and what we need to know for our own healing journey or for our own evolution in becoming the next best version of who we can be. So when I work collaboratively with people, I try to get them out of their heads and in order to get into that space, that pure space of creativity so that they can start connecting on a deeper level. One of the ways I do that is I will blindfold them while they're painting. And then I ask them also to write things on the canvas or they take a picture of the canvas because it works through several stages. We'll do four or five layers on the canvas and then they'll take a picture and then they can journal with that picture too, like stream of consciousness journaling. So if that stream of consciousness takes them to writing down a story about something that is inspired by the canvas, like that still has a message for them. After we've done a first few, the like they usually do the first layer and then we might work on the second layer together and then I might do a layer, then they'll do another layer um, and then we'll tie it together. So part of working with me collaboratively is that they get to do the expression part. They get to dig deeper and get some answers to some inner questions that maybe they don't even know they have, but the canvas will give them that guidance. Um, and I can facilitate that because I have my own expertise in that area. And then as well, they get to have a beautiful painting at the end of it because I've also helped technically to create a visually appealing painting that has dynamics and contrasts and balance that the eye can move around and things like that and they get to take that home and hang it on their wall so this is normally a one-on-one -on -one experience this is like i've also facilitated workshops for groups where we'll do art together that's more about using art like as a learning modality for for to teach a spiritual concept of some kind so when someone wants to have a one-on-one -on -one collaborative session with you, typically what are they looking for or what is their need in which they ask you to have this experience? I think it's really exciting for them because a lot of the times they're attracted to my work, the colors and the dynamics and the spiritual aspect of my work, and they want something in their home. But rather than buying something, it's enticing, it's alluring, attractive to want to paint it yourself and to, to try to have that journey, that expression. 
And then it becomes very meaningful because they have created it themselves. But in order to create art that way, they have to go into themselves. Like it has to be dark and messy in order to get to some resolutions or answers. It's not like a paint by numbers or a painting party kind of, now you do this, now you do this. The canvas has to go through the stages to get to a mature state. So it has to go through this infant state where everything is fun and playful and you're just splashing the colors on the canvas and it doesn't really matter. And then you get to this kind of teenager stage where it's a little bit awkward and you're not sure how to tie it all together. It's a bit of a puzzle. And then the last stage is that it's mature and it has all its meaning and messages, but it also holds itself together visually. I'm speaking with Anya Telfer, an artist and musician, and she was just explaining to us about her collaborative painting process. You also do live painting. Why don't you tell us what that is? Okay, live painting is so much fun. And I've only done it a few times, but it's, you know, I love doing it. Um, it's when you're in an event and I have my my painting area set up so it'll either be on a wall and it's all there's plastic all around to protect the floor and everything or it's on a drop sheet drop cloth with uh, with the large easel in my canvas and as the event proceeds I'm painting a painting or two on the side so this is a nice attraction to have in an event because it doesn't take away from from the sound. So if there's a speaker speaking, then the painting can still be going on. It's not taking things away. Or if people want to be having a conversation, sometimes the music can be, can interfere with a conversation and you have to leave the room. But with painting, it can be happening and people can watch the evolution of a creative piece, but at the same time, still pay attention to the audio or the, like the, like whatever's going on. What's the process going on for you such that you arrive at an event and I imagine you have no idea what's going to happen on the canvas when you arrive. What's the process you go through that actually transforms a blank canvas into something at an event? It's really exciting. That's why I love it because it's there's a lot of pressure. I work very well under pressure again with my painting approach I don't know what the canvas is going to be when I start another way that I do live painting just as an aside is that sometimes I will do a video of myself painting on my and then I'll post it on my Instagram so when I know that I'm taking a video I notice that my approach to the canvas also becomes more excited and more dynamic than when I'm not so that's what happens is that I because there's a little bit of a like nervousness or excitement that people are watching, then the result is that the canvas becomes very dynamic, which is then much more fun to work with. And you have a board book called Valleys of Wonder? Yeah, I do. So one of the things I'm passionate about, like I mentioned, art, healing, and spirituality, and the other is education of children. I have four of my own children, and I've taught spiritually focused, arts-based children's classes through the Baha'i Faith as a volunteer for over a decade. Connecting children to spirituality through art is something I love to do. And children are so naturally creative and so naturally spiritual. So Valleys of Wonder was created with spiritual quotations and stunning pictures of animals, stock photos of animals. And originally I created posters just for myself and my family to put up in my house because my children loved animals so much and I, I wanted them to have 
photos that were appealing for them to look at in the house, but I wanted to pair that with spiritual quotations. So when we talked about the animal, we could also talk about spirituality at the same time. And then when I saw how popular they were, I, I wanted to create a book to share with the world. The book has 16 pictures of animals, and they're all paired with a quotation from the writings of Baha'u'llah. And I think you'll hear one of them. So my daughter and I, my five-year-old, is singing with me. The barking of dogs is loud on every side. Where is the lion of the forest of thy might, O chastiser of the worlds? Anya, where can people find your artwork? People can find me on Instagram at Anya Telfer, A-N-I-A-T-E-L-F-E-R, or on my website, anyatelfer.com, or on Facebook, Anya Telfer Artist. Good. And I'm speaking with Anya Telfer, musician and artist, and we've just been talking about her various venues in which she uses art. She told us about collaborative painting, and she told us about live painting, and then her board book called Valleys of Wonder. So, Anya, you're a musician as well. Tell me about the music you've created. I love singing. I play guitar. I play piano. I don't do it professionally. Um, I do it more as a service to the community and to bring people together, to lift up hearts, to connect people. And again, my music is, like all of my creative endeavors, is connected to spirituality. So most of the time what I'm doing with my music is sharing it with children and children's programming. Before my husband and I had kids, while we were dating and after while we were married, we ran a jam session that happened once a month with musicians all around the city, and we called it the Creative Word Jam. We printed out quotations from the Baha'i writings, spiritual quotations, and musicians came from all around the city of any faith or no faith, any background. It was very diverse, and we would jam to those quotations. So we would either put those quotes to music or lyrics would be made based on those quotes. And it was a beautiful experience. It ran for several years. And then after we had kids, it became too hard to maintain that. That's one way that we used the music to connect community with the creative word, with the power of the creative word. Because in the Baha'i writings, we know that the words of the manifestations of God, the teachers of God, have a power and a potency to recreate reality in a way that our words don't. They don't have that. So while we were using the creative word, it was also creating a community based on the creative word through creativity. <laughs> it was a very beautiful community project that we had going on. You had suggested featuring some short songs that you and your five-year-old sing together based on the writings of the Baha'i Faith. I guess the first question I have is, I guess at some point, your music transitioned from this creative word jam to teaching your kids songs based on the uh, writings of the Baha'i Faith. Actually, I was putting the Baha'i prayers and quotations to music you know, ever since I became a Baha'i. I find that Putting something to a melody is a very good way to remember it. And it's peaceful and calming, and I would just hum them or sing them to myself. In our morning and evening devotions with my kids, I would always be doing some music with them. You know, I'd make these little short kind of jingles, so just half a minute long or something, and, and we would sing those together as a family. 
And we still do that. So the barking of dogs was actually originally created at the Creative Word Jam. And then it made its way into the family repertoire because the kids really liked it. It's something that, you know, they can act out being dogs and lions. And so it's, it's something that connects with the kids. And then it also made its way into Valleys of Wonder, the board book. To have a visual image of a lion and the power of that lion is so striking, paired with the quotation. So repeat for us the quotation again. The barking of dogs is loud on every side. Where is the lion of the forest of thy might, O chastiser of the worlds? So someone who is a novice to the writings of the Baha'i faith, this is a quotation by Baha'u'llah, the prophet founder of the Baha'i faith. What's the significance of that quotation to you? So this quotation comes from the fire tablet, which is one of the three most powerful prayers of Baha'u'llah, is the fire tablet. This quotation is found in the fire tablet, and the fire tablet is a conversation between Baha'u'llah as a human being and God as the divine source, and Baha'u'llah pleading and lamenting how hard being human is and the difficulties that he has been subjected to. And then the divine voice of God, the divine aspect of Baha'u'llah, answers him. And the barking of dogs is loud on every side. Where is the lion of the forest of thy might, O chastiser of the worlds? Is Baha'u'llah in his human manifestation pleading to Baha'u'llah as the divine manifestation? Where are you? Where is your presence? Because he was in a very bleak state. So I had asked you to pick a few selections, and this is one of the ones you selected. So let's listen to this short, sweet song with you and your daughter, five-year-old daughter. The barking of dogs is loud on every side. The barking of dogs is loud on every side. Where is the lion? Where is the lion? Where is the lion of the forest of thy might? O chastiser of the worlds. The barking of dogs is loud on every side. The barking of dogs is loud on every side. Where is the lion? Where is the lion? Where is the lion of the forest? Of the night? Oh, chastiser of the worlds. So I'm speaking with Anya Telfer. She's an artist and a musician, and we've been now talking about her work putting the writings of the Baha'i faith to music. And we had just heard a selection with her daughter on a piece based on the the writings of the Baha'i faith. Okay, so another selection is called Fingers of One Hand, in which you are singing this piece with your 12-year-old daughter. Fingers of One Hand... The full quote is, be ye as the fingers of one hand, the members of one body. This prayer has been around in my family for 10 years, and it just came to me one morning while we were doing our morning devotions. And then we added parts to it, so we could actually sing it as a round, and it has many different layers, and there's a lot we can play with when we do that prayer together. 
that quote is very meaningful in family life because for a family to cooperate and get out the door on time every morning, even something so mundane as that, we really need to be the fingers of one hand. The fingers of the hand don't argue with each other. They work together. And there's a really nice, sweet story about a hand that we use to teach children this concept is that, you know, all the fingers got upset with the thumb because the thumb was sticking out the wrong way. And they decided they weren't going to work with the thumb anymore. And then the hand couldn't do anything. It couldn't open doorknobs. It couldn't button up pants. It couldn't zip up zippers or eat. Then the hand realized that diversity is what makes life possible. So, you know, we have to be like the fingers of one hand, the members of one body. So even though the eyes are so specialized and different than than the stomach, like the whole body has to work together. It's such a short quote, but there's so much in that quote. And as a mother and being very passionate about educating my children and all children, it's something that is very tangible and children can really understand that concept. And it teaches a very powerful spiritual lesson about the oneness of humanity. Be as the fingers of one hand, the members of one body. Be as the fingers of one hand, the members of one body. Be as the fingers of one hand, the members of one body. Be as the fingers of one hand, the members of one body. So I'm speaking with Anya Telfer. She is an artist and a musician, and she has been talking about her work putting the writings of the Baha'i Faith to music, and we've been sampling a few short selections that she recorded for this interview with her children. The last piece is called Be Illumined. Now this one's a little different because it's with your husband, Ryan, who's playing on the guitar. So why don't you tell us, first of all, what the full quote is for Be Illumined, and what does that quote mean for you? So Be Illumined is a song that all the lyrics are from the writings of Abdu'l-Bahá, the son of the prophet founder of the Baha'i faith, and who Baha'is regard as the perfect example of how to live a life that is spiritual and practical at the same time. It was written for a celebration of Abdu'l-Bahá by Ryan and myself, And the chorus says, be illumined, be spiritual, be divine, be glorious, be affectionate, replete with chastity, be a Baha'i. For someone who may not be a Baha'i, what can that mean for them? Well, a person doesn't have to consider themselves a Baha'i to live their life in accordance with the Baha'i ideals and standards. My daughter put it very well. She said, being a Baha'i makes you the best version of yourself that you can be. That is open for everybody. What the Chorus tells us to do is to be spiritual, be divine, be glorious. So to manifest all these perfections of humankind. And when we do that, we embody the ideal of being a Baha'i. And Baha'i means followers of glory. 
the whole purpose of our creation is to be noble beings, to walk in the light, to come closer and closer to glory. It's hoped that the song will inspire people to live up to their innate potential as creative and spiritual beings.
So I'm speaking with Anya Telfer, an artist and a musician. So I know you recorded these pieces for the interview, but is there a place where people can find the music that you've done over the years that you've created? Well, once the coronavirus crisis is over, they're welcome to come over. They can sing <laughs> with me. <laughs> Having four kids at home and working in a busy household, it's very hard to find the time to put the pieces and to down and to record them properly. If you follow me on Instagram, sometimes I do post songs that my husband and I are doing or me with the kids. I noticed you have a collection of photographs on your website. So can you tell me about your photography and your videography? So I have a minor in photo and photography is, is something that I'm also interested in. And that was the first path that I took as far as developing my art. Like, I mean, I painted already all through my life, but I took it seriously about two years ago. A few years ago, I developed this concept of creative flow. Creativity, as I've said, is healing and all art is a gift from the creator. From the Baha'i writings, we know that when a person is making art, when they're expressing their creativity, they are engaged in worship. And the role of art is to create reverence. I realized that for me, it didn't matter what kind of art I was doing, because sometimes with a busy household, I wasn't able to get to a large canvas and become messy and, and paint for a few hours. But I could do a short video of my child and edit it in a funny way or something. And this was creative or I could dance or play some music or take a photo and again, edit it. So any kind of art that we do, it can be dance or visual art or poetry or writing or music. This connects us to our creativity. I believe that the creative spirit, it doesn't care how a person is expressing their creativity as long as we're expressing it. And I do a lot of things, like I'm also a dancer, and I do video, I do photography, I do art, I sing. For me, that's creativity flow. Like, whatever is going to work in the moment, then then I will engage with that kind of creativity. Then what I've found is that as a society, we've become really disconnected from our creativity. We've become a society of consumers, which is the antithesis of being a society of creators. And interestingly now, with the corona crisis, everybody's stuck at home and there's an explosion of creativity online because people can't go anywhere. So it's out of these difficulties, then we're, we're having new learnings and we're getting in touch with parts of ourselves that maybe we haven't been in touch with for a while. So I'm speaking with Anya Telfer, artist and musician, and we also were talking about her photography and the whole creative process that is important to her. Anya, do you have a project that you're working on now that you want to talk about? I do. There are always some exciting projects. So I'm always painting and again, connecting my paintings to the power of the spirit. And that manifests in a variety of ways. So always in my paintings, I'll have prayers playing or I'll write prayers onto the quotations or, or onto the canvases and I'll be praying or the titles themselves will be prayers or quotations from the writings. So this is ongoing. I'm also working on another children's prayer book from the Tablet of Ahmad, which is another very powerful prayer that people can use in times of difficulty. So again, I'm pairing it with pictures of animals and breaking it down into smaller segments so that parents can read the Tablet of Ahmad with children. It's one of my favorite prayers. 
but it's very long. And this is a way that the child can be engaged with it and can also start to memorize parts of it. And then the other thing that I'm excited about is my friend and I in Edmonton, David Schkolny, who's a very talented pastel artist. We've applied for a grant together from the Edmonton Arts Council to create a project which is inspired by the early history of the Baha'i faith. And David would make realistic pastels depicting scenes from the history of the Baha'i faith, which the early history all took place in Iran and in Turkey and now Israel and Iraq. And then I would paint large canvases, which would be abstract and representative of historical events that happened. Because the early history of the Baha'i faith is very dramatic. And if you study it, it's heart-wrenching. It's a story that the world needs to hear. Through art, people can understand and access these stories in a way that just by reading about them, they might not. So hopefully we'll get that grant and we'll be able to work on that project. Thank you, Anya. Why don't you repeat to folks again your various platforms that people can see your work? So people can see my work on Instagram at Anya Telfer, A-N-I-A-T-E-L-F-E-R, or AnyaTelfer.com, my website, or Anya Telfer Artist on Facebook. And Anya, thank you so much for taking the hour to tell us about your work. Thank you very much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Anya Telfer, artist and musician. You can find her work at AnyaTelfer.com. That's A-N as in Nancy, I-A, T as in Tom, E-L, F as in Frank, E-R, AnyaTelfer.com. You can find this interview and other interviews on the website abahaiperspective.com and on the YouTube channel A Baha'i Perspective. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you go to the website baha'i.org or you can call the number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
from the nightingale of affection and desire. Loosen up thy
God 
This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org. 